Hello, this is Technology Corner for the week of November 5th, 2006. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in far less than an hour because we leave out the sports, the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. First up today, something that would be of use if you have a website that needs an index. You have a website that has a lot of content. People come to the website, they have trouble finding the content. They use your index. They stick in a word or two, rather like using Google, click a button, and find what they're looking for, ideally. Some indexing services work better than others. Some cost more than others. Recently, I found one that's not only free, but also good. The name, FreeFind. You can pay for it. And in fact, if you have a large commercial site, you would want to pay for it. But I changed the Technology Corner search function to free find because I was dissatisfied with the existing search engine I was using. The Technology Corner website uses a lot of SHTML pages. This is required because of the way some of the content is included on the pages. The problem with SHTML pages is that not all indexing services pay any attention to those pages. Well, 90% of the Technology Corner content is on a page with the extension SHTML. So I needed one that would do that. And it looks like Technology Corner will continue to be able to use FreeFind for at least another 10 or 12 years. There is a limit of how much can be indexed, 32 megabytes of HTML. That's about 3,000 average size pages, according to FreeFind. Larger sites, they say, will need to pay for the service. Well, the Technology Corner website is nowhere near 32 megabytes in size, at least in terms of the text pages. And at the current rate of writing, that won't happen anytime soon. What I found surprising is that all accounts that FreeFind services, including the free ones, get unlimited on-demand re-indexing and also automatic re-indexing as often as daily. We don't need daily indexing. The site is updated, in most cases, just once a week. So I have the, uh, the indexing set for just once a week. Although if I go in and make a change during the week, I can manually re-index the site immediately. The main difference between free indexing and the paid sites is that free sites must accept advertising. If you use the Technology Corner search function, at the top of the page, you'll find some ads. FreeFind says they recommend the professional subscription service to all businesses and anyone else who might find the advertising undesirable, or anybody who wants some extended features and also support. If you need any help, you won't get it if you're using the free version of FreeFind. The subscription version does eliminate all ads, and it also does not display the FreeFind logo or any other identifying information on the page, so it looks more like it's a part of your site if you pay for it. Unlike a lot of the competing services, FreeFind also indexes PDF documents, and it creates an automatic sitemap based on page titles. Because of the way the Technology Corner site is organized, that automatic sitemap isn't very useful. But that's because of decisions I made, not because of any shortcoming by FreeFind. The company is unusually forthcoming in talking about its business model. Unlike other Internet companies, the website says, 
FreeFind has never had a market share at any cost attitude. While other companies were committing themselves to expensive high-profile deals and long-term overpriced services, FreeFind was optimizing its efficiency. As a result, we do not depend on venture capital money to keep us going until some drop-dead date, nor do we need excessively high pricing to pay off our investors. This, according to FreeFind, means that the company is uniquely positioned to be your most dependable source of high-reliability search services, the same high-quality search service we supply to thousands of other websites. And I'd have to agree with that assessment. In fact, I would give FreeFind five cats. Although it does display ads, if you use the free service, the ads themselves are inobtrusive and clearly marked. The ability to schedule indexing makes the service usable by sites that change every day, as well as by those with only weekly updates. For more information, check the FreeFind website, www.freefind.com, and you'll find a link from the Technology Corner website. That's www.techbiter.com. Oh, by the way, if you haven't uh, sent me a note yet, let me know where you're listening. It's always interesting to see where in the world people are listening from. And let me know what you think of the format. The address, bill.blin at techbiter, T-E-C-H-B-Y-T-E-R, dot com. Or you can use the response form on the TechBiter website. Convergence of a couple of things. My interest in backup, knowing that it is absolutely essential and that far too few people do it, and a marketing campaign from the folks at Maxell. Maxell came up with the idea to sell more media, promoting a fall backup. They did that around the return to standard time from daylight saving time. It's a self-serving promotion, of course, but it's also a good reminder that backing up data on your computer is more than just a good idea. Backing up needs to be done regularly. Even home users should back up their critical files at least once a week. If your computer died and you lost every photograph, letter, spreadsheet, video file, and audio file since your last backup, would you be disappointed? Would you be inconvenienced? I spoke with Maxell's manager of technical support, Al Dripchak, asked him to tell me what Maxell had in mind with its fall backup promotion. What we've done here at Maxell is we, we've uh, we've come up with this sort of promotion to uh, to try to create some general awareness uh, throughout the the um, computer community uh, about the importance of having a good solid uh, information or data information backup plan in place and, and what the uh, what the consequences or ramifications might be if one doesn't backup is sometimes compared to flossing your dentist tell you should do it everybody knows it's important but a lot of people just put it off because they think it's too much trouble. It's one of those things where it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. People don't give a lot of thought until something happens. Uh, most people that, that currently do back up their data uh, have usually been bitten once and don't want to be bitten again. And uh, unfortunately, most people, you know, in, in, when it comes to backup, uh, have to learn the hard way. And uh, we're trying to get a message out and, 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 and save people from, from having to go through that trouble and, and try to get them to uh, start backing up before they run into a problem. Experience is a thorough teacher, but a, a nasty one. People look at disk drives and they realize that they're a lot more reliable than they used to be. I mean, these things can run for years without failing in some cases. But 20 years ago, backup was pretty easy. You copied what you had onto another floppy. You made a copy of your floppy and you had all Mm -hmm. your data. Well, today a single photograph can be 10 times the size of one of those floppies. 
and we have thousands of those, thousands of songs, financial data, all this other stuff. And even though drives are more reliable, they're still object to the threat of theft, fire, flood, all those other things, or even our own fingers. So what do you do to keep all this stuff safe? Use some sort of removable media that you're going to be able to actually store uh, away from your computer. Uh, in the event of something, like you said, uh, any sort of natural disaster, a fire, a flood, uh, you don't want to back up your data and have your, your backup information sitting next to your computer. Uh, you know, if something happens, a fire, a flood, something where, where the computer's taken out, yeah, your data, your backup data is gone along with it. So you want to have removable media somewhere, something that you can store away from your your computer. Um, people need to realize that, like you said, hard drives are run for years and years now, but they are still mechanical devices and they are prone to failure at, at some time or another, sooner or later. Uh, you know, they, they, something could go wrong. You always have to throw in human error. You know, folks, uh, you know, accidentally delete files. Um, you've got viruses and worms and different things. So it's, uh, I think people tend to rely way too heavily on their hard drives, put a lot, uh, way too much faith in them, and, and don't realize that, you know, something uh, can and, and maybe eventually will go wrong. When you do backup, you've got a lot of options, CDs, mm -hmm. DVDs, tape drives, external hard drives, uh, even some online services. Mm -hmm. Do you have an opinion regarding which is best? It depends on what the needs are. It depends on what sort of capacity you're looking for. Uh, you know, a typical end user at home uh, could probably get away with putting uh, their information on, on a DVD or maybe a couple of discs uh, if they have quite a bit of information. Um, there are a lot of different software applications out there that, that uh, make backing up very easy. You put in a blank, uh, select what you want to save, it'll do it all for you. If it exceeds the capacity of one disk, it'll just ask you to put in a second disk, and, and it makes restoring that information uh, just as easy if you need to do that. Backup is something that needs to be done regularly. That's uh, probably something that, that maybe slips through the cracks with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Do you have a backup? Yeah, I did a backup once two years ago. I like to tell people that they need to do it at least on a weekly basis. Are you backing up just, you know, uh, photographs, uh, music, uh, sound bites, you know, MP3s, that sort of thing, personal information? Or are you running a small business where you've got uh, financial information, you maybe have inventory information and things like that? Um, so you need to find out, you know, what, what's critical, what's the, what's the data that you want to actually back up and, uh, if, in case you need to restore. I mean, obviously you don't need to back up your operating system and a lot of your applications because they can always be reloaded later. It's the important information, the, the stuff that, that uh, if lost, is, is gone forever, is the stuff that you want to, you want to really back up and, and archive for safekeeping. And maybe one key point worth uh, mentioning again is the importance of storing that stuff away from the computer. Absolutely, absolutely. You want to have it off-site. You want it removable storage where it's off-site so that in case something happens to your computer, uh, you don't lose your backup information as well. Another important factor, I think, with with backing up is, is the, the media that you use. I mean, obviously, you want to use some good quality media. Uh, you don't want to trust that that uh, important information uh, to a piece of inferior media. So you want to make sure you go out and get a get a good quality piece of media. And uh, and what I tell folks is, you know, in this industry, you get what you pay for it. And uh, that really really holds true when it comes to media. Most businesses do have plans in place. Uh, they've actually kind of been forced to with uh, with all the different government regulations these days, as far as uh, Sarbanes Oxley and and HIPAA and and those types of things. So most companies do have a backup plan in place. And 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 what we'd like to say to those folks, you know, on on this uh, this occasion where we're promoting backup is that, you know, maybe this is a good time for them to, to stop and, and revisit or reevaluate the plan they have in place to see if there's, there's any changes that may, may need to occur. As you mentioned earlier, you want to be religious about your backup. You want to, you want to set a schedule and you want to, you want to adhere to it uh, because if, if you, you put your schedule in place and then you start letting things slip through, uh, uh, you're doing yourself no good. You're, you're defeating the, uh, the purpose of the whole thing. That's Al Dripchak of Maxell. Good advice. If you don't have a backup plan in place, get one in place. 
If you do have one in place, now would be a real good time to reassess. Figure out if it's backing up what you need and what you want. This, it would seem, is the week that hell froze over, and I don't mean hell Michigan. Microsoft says it will allow Linux to work more seamlessly with Windows. This isn't something that Microsoft just suddenly decided to do because it was a good idea. Steve Ballmer admitted that Microsoft's customers have been beating up on the company and demanding interoperability. He didn't say it quite that way. He said that Microsoft and Novell had created a set of agreements to bridge the divide between open source and proprietary software. In the words the PR agency put in Ballmer's mouth, the impetus for this event really comes from our customers. The agreement seems to be kind of an end run around Red Hat in that it gives preferential treatment to SUSE Linux Enterprise Server. Users will be able to run a Linux virtual machine on Windows and a Windows virtual machine on Linux. One's head spins, or at least mine does. Novell and Microsoft will collaborate on sales and marketing, but Balmer says the companies will continue to be competitors. That's probably the nicest thing he said about Novell ever. And I have to wonder if somebody maybe dropped a little LSD into the Redmond water supply, because this week also, after two years or more of trying to find a way to make spam control a revenue stream, Microsoft has suddenly included its sender ID framework specification for email authentication in the company's open specification promise. That's a lot of words. What it means is that anybody in the world can use Microsoft's patented technology free and without threat of legal action. Microsoft committed itself to cooperatively working to help fight spam. That's a good thing. Sender ID can be used to battle spam, phishing, malware, and other problems. Microsoft's PR agency, of course, calls SPF the leading email authentication protocol. Why do they always include the leading? There are others out there, and this one may not be the leading one, but it is an important one. Uh, But anyway... Most spam arrives with a forged header. Sender ID is one of several technologies aimed at providing a true indication of a message's source. Microsoft says more than 5 million domain holders have already adopted Sender ID, but there have been concerns about licensing and costs. By putting Sender ID under the open specification promise, Microsoft says its goal is to put those questions to rest and advance interoperable efforts for online safety worldwide. Those were the words spoken by Microsoft's Vice President of Windows Live Platform Development Group, Brian Arbogast. Sendmail is the company responsible for handling most of the messages that are routed through the Internet with its eponymous product, Sendmail. Sendmail's Eric Allman says Microsoft is doing the right thing and that making SPF available freely is a positive step in the fight against spoofing, phishing, and other categories of unwanted messaging. And a bit of applause from me, too. In nerdly news, just about the time you think you're surfing along with the rest of humanity and that you're somewhere near the front of the pack, you learn that the technology you rely on most is for old folks. A poll by Parks Associates says that teens think email is old-fashioned. Email is I-M for old people. Some 40% of those old folks, uh, 25 to 54, 
say they use email regularly. About 20% of teens do. And those whippersnappers prefer IM, while only 11% of adults go that route. Email is, of course, the oldest Internet technology. It predates even such services as Gopher. And yes, I mean Gopher, not Google, and Gopher really isn't around anymore. It was sort of the, the precursor to the web. John Barrett, director of research for Parks Associates, says email isn't threatened by the kids. They'll learn to use it, he says, as they move from childhood into the real world. The Parks Associates study was a large report that covers digital media habits overall. Unsurprisingly, multitasking is big with the younger crowd. Barrett says teens are likely to be typing an IM while watching TV and talking on the phone. Yeah, I've seen that. And here's kind of an amusing little story. The FCC has given Continental Airlines the okay to run a Wi-Fi service at Logan International Airport in Boston. Logan has been trying to shut down Continental's Wi-Fi service for the past couple of years. Why? Well, perhaps it's because the airport authority has its own service, and the airport authority charges $8 a day for that service. This compares somewhat unfavorably with the free service offered at Port Columbus. Logan's airport authority said it was a safety issue. The Federal Communications Commission says Continental has every right to operate its own Wi-Fi service in its own lounge, and that Massport, the folks who run the airport, have no authority to order Continental to shut it off. Massport had argued that Continental's Wi-Fi service could jam the airlines and public safety radio systems. They didn't exactly explain why Continental's service would do that and their own uh, $8 a day service would not. I mean, they operate on the same frequencies with the same equipment, but one would cause a problem and the other wouldn't. T-Mobile had also been ordered to shut down its Wi-Fi service in American Airlines Terminal B, and Massport had been threatening Delta with legal action if it tried to set up a Wi-Fi operation in Terminal A. The decision was both logical and correct, which is something you can't necessarily expect these days from government agencies. Thanks for listening. This has been Technology Corner for the week of November 5th, 2006. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website www.techbiter.com, and you can send me an email from there, too. Thanks. Bye-bye.